The Bradford Exchange presents The Classic Radio Theater with your host, Carl Amari. Countdown for blastoff. X minus one. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Richard Diamond, private detective. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Dragnet. We offer you escape. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. The Jack Benny Program. Welcome, everyone, to episode 24 of the Classic Radio Theater. Each week, the Bradford Exchange and participating sponsors bring you three hours of the Classic Radio Theater, featuring programming from the golden age of radio. This time, we'll hear two mystery episodes of Suspense. We'll begin after this short break. Offering high-tension drama and a stellar cast, Suspense was a landmark program from radio's golden age. For 20 years, the program offered tales well-calculated to keep you in suspense. With audience numbers in the millions, Suspense ranked as one of the most listened-to dramas on the air from 1942 until 1962. Known as radio's outstanding theater of thrills, it focused on suspenseful stories starring the biggest names in Hollywood. Actors jumped at the chance to appear on Suspense, including Cary Grant, James Stewart, Ellen Ladd, Henry Fonda, Humphrey Bogart, Betty Davis, and Orson Welles. Oftentimes, celebrities were cast against type, including Jack Benny, who played a Martian, and Frank Sinatra, who played a psychopathic killer. Scripts were by John Dixon Carr, Lucille Fletcher, James Poe, Ray Bradbury, and many others. Running more than 20 years, Suspense aired nearly 1,000 radio broadcasts. It made the transition to television in 1949, but it was much better suited for radio, where the theater of the mind could run free. Time now for the first of two mystery episodes of Suspense. In this first one, we'll hear a good ghost story about a huge pipe organ built throughout the entire house and the reason it tends to play itself. It stars Vincent Price and Ida Lupino. Here's Fugue in C minor on Suspense. Roma Wines presents Suspense. Roma Wines, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Salute. Your health, senor. Roma Wines toast the world. The wine for your table is Roma Wine, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. The Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California, welcomes you again to this weekly half hour of Suspense. Tonight from Hollywood, Roma Wines bring you as stars Miss Ida Lupino, currently being seen in Warner Brothers in our time, and Mr. Vincent Price of 20th Century Fox, soon to be seen in the derelict Zanuck production, Wilson. For the appearance of these two distinguished screen personalities, Lucille Fletcher has written a suspense play that deals with brooding anxiety and sharpening suspicion. 
played against the severe and forbidding background of the late Victorian era. And so with Fugue in C minor, and with the performances of Ida Lupino and Vincent Price, we again hope to keep you in... Suspense! Dear Bessie, this is just to let you know that I arrived in Pilotsville. Lizzie met me at the station. She's heartbroken about Papa's bankruptcy and for some reason feels that it's up to me to remedy the family situation. I told her I'd been offered a job, but she swept away that idea in horror. A girl with your looks, Amanda Peabody, doesn't have to get a job. There are too many rich husbands floating around for that. Furthermore, she says she has a rich husband already picked out for me right here in Pilotsville. Don't you remember? I told you about him at Christmas time. He's a Mr. Evans, rich as Croesus, charming, cultured, a lonely widower with two dear little children. And besides that, he's just your type, a real intellectual. You should hear him play the pipe organ. And you know, Bessie, I've met so few interesting men lately. And all you'd have to do is lift your little finger. Mr. Evans. Oh, good evening, Mrs. Chumley. How delightful to see you here. I'd like you to meet my sister. Mr. Evans, my sister, Amanda Peabody. Delighted, I'm sure. It's a lovely party, Mr. Evans. Thank you, Miss Peabody. Have you just come to Pilotsville? Yes. She's down from New York visiting me after the whirl of the hectic social season. Oh, indeed. Well, I'm afraid our Pilotsville society must seem a bit dull to you, Miss Peabody. Oh, no, not at all. It's charming. I've enjoyed everything so much tonight. Your beautiful house, the music. I hear you're going to play for us, Mr. Evans. Oh, a bit. Do you care for organ music, Miss Peabody? Oh, very much. I never miss a church recital. But what a luxury it must be to have your own pipe organ right here in the house... I'm afraid I couldn't do without it. It's my hobby, you know. Bach, Buxtehude, César Franck. Don't you adore their work? Oh, Amanda's very musical. You should hear her render the burning of Rome. <laughs> yes. And the delightful thing, of course, about having a pipe organ in the house is that it's everywhere. To sit at a keyboard and hear the walls, the ceilings, the floors vibrate. You see, Miss Peabody, I've had the pipes installed all over the house. Under this floor, for example, are all the choir stops. Up in the bedroom walls are the stops for the swell manual. In the great uh, 32-foot pedal stops, the giant diapasons are underneath the staircase. My children sleep next door to the echo chamber. <laughs> so, you see, we live like angels here in a paradise of music. How thrilling. Now, ladies, come upstairs to the second floor landing, won't you? And I'll show you the console. It was made for me in Vienna. And Bessie, dear, to tell you the truth, I really find him fascinating. I wish you could hear him play. It sweeps you off your feet. There is such wildness to it, and at the same time, such dignity. And to hear the sound all through that marvelous house, rolling through those gorgeous rooms with their beautiful tapestries and potted palms. I could sit and listen to him all night. 
You have the most amazing eyes, Miss Peabody. What are you thinking about? The music. Oh, please don't stop. It's so beautiful. Well, you seem to be as mad about music as I am. Your sister says you play too. Oh, no, only a little. My appreciation of it is all inside, I'm afraid. That's plenty. If one can't play, it's better just to enjoy the music of others. I can't bear this sentimental drumming, can you? I shouldn't think you would enjoy it. The idiotic tunes people play nowadays. Give me the old stern classics. They have strength and power. Give me something with life to it. Something that will flood the whole house with sound. Marvelous. Uh, you're a very unusual girl, Miss Peabody. Quite unlike the run of girls here down here at Pilotsville. Yes, in what way? Oh, it's rather hard to explain. Uh, some more tea, Amanda. No, thank you. A muffin? No, thank you. You have an excellent cook, Mr. Evans. Please, please call me Theodore. You know you promised. Theodore? Amanda. And your house is beautifully run, too. You must have an excellent housekeeper. Everything always looks so charming and quiet. I haven't even heard a peep out of your children. My children? Oh, yes, the children have been away at school. You have two, haven't you? Yes, Daphne and David. What sweet names? Ordinarily, I don't approve of schools for young children, but you see, they were rather overwrought. After Mrs. Evans passed on... I can well understand. They were almost morbidly devoted to their mother, and then, of course, the unfortunate circumstances of her death, but... I suppose your sister, Mrs. Chumley, has told you all about that. No, not very much, except your wife was killed in a street accident, wasn't she? Yes, in Philadelphia, a brewery wagon and four horses ran her down. Oh, how terrible. It's something I don't like to think about very often. Poor, beautiful Margaret. Well, it's like a nightmare, Amanda, and I still can't feel reconciled, but... Well, what I was driving at was the children. They were in school when she died, and by some malicious stroke of fate, there was an epidemic of scarlet fever raging up there. The authorities wouldn't lift the quarantine and let them out for her funeral. Oh, poor little things. Yes, it upset them dreadfully. In fact, I sometimes fear it's left a mark on them which may endure all their lives. Why, what do you mean? They suffer from delusions. Delusions about her. They think that in some way she is linked. Her soul is imprisoned in the organ pipes. How horrible. I wish I could do something about it. It's a frightful notion, but they won't. They don't let me play when they're at home. That echo chamber in particular next door to their bedroom. Yes? You know, it's nothing but an empty sealed room with a few wires. Of course, it's all because they never saw her dead. But they have a notion that she's, well, somehow hidden there. How ghastly. They really think that, do they? Children can think up such very strange things in their little minds. Can't they? Tonight for suspense, Roma Wines are bringing you as stars Miss Ida Lupino and Mr. Vincent Price, whom you have heard in the prologue to Fugue in C Minor. Tonight's tale of suspense. Let us look in on another scene for a moment. A smart dinner party at the internationally famous Hotel de Nacional de Cuba in Havana. 
One of the guests, a world-traveled American, sets down his wine glass and remarks that a truly fine wine always carries the unmistakable flavor of the particular vineyards from which it comes. Then laughs his Cuban host, you must be homesick for California right now. For the wine you are enjoying so much is from America, from California. It is Roma wine. Yes, it's true. Our own wonderful vineyard country in California produces in Roma wines that discriminating people in other lands esteem as an imported delicacy. Yet you here at home can enjoy these distinguished Roma wines for mere pennies a glassful. You pay none of the expensive overseas shipping charges and duties. Daily with your meals or when entertaining or anytime, you can delight yourself with the wonderful flavor that comes from age-old winemaking traditions perfected by modern quality controls and tests. Yes, only pennies a glassful for a treat you are certain to enjoy. For remember, Roma wines are America's largest selling wines. Roma, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. And now it is with pleasure that we bring back to our soundstage Ida Lupino as Amanda Peabody and Vincent Price as Theodore Evans in Fugue in C Minor. A tale well calculated to keep you in... Suspense! for the first time. It was a shock. They're strange little creatures, utterly unlike their father. The girl is about 11 and the boy 8. They were both dressed in deep mourning. Their large gray eyes seemed strained with terror. They listened and trembled at every sound. This is Miss Peabody, children. She's a very good friend of mine. Now I want you both to shake hands with her. Oh, come now, Daphne. You can at least tell Miss Peabody how old you are. Oh, no. Please don't press her. I know when I was a little girl, I hated people to talk about my age. I'd much rather hear about, well, about school. We're not going back there, no matter what anybody says. David. That's all right. Then you didn't like school. No. And Mommy didn't like it either. She cried when we went away. Oh, but your mama wanted you to be educated, didn't she? She wanted you to grow up and be intelligent people, didn't she? Well, didn't she, Daphne? Who are you? You may call me Aunt Amanda. I'm a friend of your papa's. Do you know where my mama is? Your mama? Well, your mama's in heaven, dear. No, she's not. Then where is she, dear? Please, please don't start them off, Amanda. It's too upsetting. Come along, children. Now we're going to have a little music, like old times. You remember when your mother was alive? We all used to play together. David, you with your cornet and Daphne at the violin... And Mama at the piano. Well, Miss Peabody plays the piano, too. And she's promised to play Narcissus, Mama's favorite piece. Well? Well, perhaps some other time, Theodore, when they don't feel so strange. I tell you, I've humored them to death. Now, come, David. There's your cornet on the mantelpiece. And Daphne? No. I insist. Look, now, I'll start the melody on the organ. David, you come in with your cornet obbligato in the third measure. Daphne, you can follow me. What's that? Come along, children. What's that note? 
said no making that funny noise. What note? Oh, oh, you mean that? Oh, that's just a cipher. A wire must have stuck somewhere. One of the pipe valves. It's Mama. That's where Mama is. She's calling for us. Oh, don't be silly. I'll just hit the key a few times and it'll stop. You've heard these ciphers before, haven't you, Miss Peabody? Well, I don't know much about pipe organs. It's a common technical occurrence, but very annoying, of course. What is she doing in there? Why doesn't it stop? That's where she is. She's in the pipe and she can't get out. Daphne, stop that nonsense. Oh, hush, dear. Your papa will fix it. No, he won't. He can't. She won't let him because he killed her. Daphne. Daphne, what did you say? Oh, she didn't mean it, I'm sure. The poor little thing's hysterical. We should never have tried to persuade them. Oh, man. Just because they never looked upon her face, because they never saw her lying there in the coffin. Hush, hush. My own children believe that I am a murderer. Theodore, you're making them both sick. So I, I who loved their mother so much, who was so devoted for 12 years... Do I look like a murderer, Amanda? Do I? No. There it is again. It's Mama. It's Mama. Shh, dear. I'll take them upstairs for you, Theodore, while you try and fix it. April 24th. Oh, Bessie. Those poor little children. We took them out to the cemetery today to show them her grave. A marble angel guarded it. It was planted with pure white tulips. How final it was and peaceful. And yet they began to tremble again the moment we set foot inside the house. Poor Theodore. The man is nearly out of his mind. What can he do? I keep asking myself that question. She died in Philadelphia, you say? Yes, on May 15th, just a little less than a year ago. You weren't with her? No, she went there to take a piano lesson. There was a new teacher she'd heard about. She was always so self-conscious about her technique. But she never reached his studio. They notified me at midnight from the city morgue. And no one in Philadelphia saw her? No one except the attendants at the morgue, of course, and the people who picked her up after the collision. It was such a brutal accident. There'd be no one from among them who could speak to the children, explain to them? Oh, no. Oh, it's so horrible, so sordid. Oh, I know, my dear. I hate to make you suffer. But if we could find some way, if they could just believe. When you brought her back here to Pilotsville, there was a funeral. Yes. And was there anybody then who saw her? Oh, no, I couldn't bear it, Amanda. I, I didn't think at the time she'd been so beautiful, her lovely, sweet, gentle face and her eyes. The horses had completely trembled. Oh. Even if the children had been able to come home, I wouldn't have let them look... The coffin was sealed when I left Philadelphia. I didn't want to see her again myself. But there was a funeral. People came. There were flowers, an undertaker. Yes. Well, if they could believe that, if there was one witness, perhaps my own sister Lizzie. Funeral, Amanda? Of course there was a funeral. The finest funeral in town. A snow-white hearse and 25 coaches. Everybody sent flowers. The casket wasn't open, but I've been to lots of funerals where they don't open the casket. And from what I understand, she was pretty badly mangled. But it was a beautiful funeral. Mr. Evans played the organ himself, the finest selections, all the sweet old pieces his wife liked. There was Narcissus and Mighty Lack Rose and Goodbye Forever. That's the way it was. So you see, David, my sister, Mrs. Chumley, was there. Yes, but how did she know it was Mama? Oh, David, uh, 
She didn't see Mama, did she? Well, nobody saw your poor Mama, dear. She wouldn't have wanted anyone to see her. Mommy wasn't there. She talks to us every night. She tells us to look for her. Where, dear? In the pipes. But, David, your mama's dead. She's been dead for nearly a year. Now, you she... saw her grave out in the cemetery. She's happy and at rest. Why doesn't Papa give us a key? If he'd only let us have it, we could look for her. What key, dear? The keys to the pipes. There's a little door just underneath the stairs. That's where they... That's where the big pipes are. And inside it's all dark. But where are the... But there are... There are tunnels. There's a little room. A little room. That's where she's hiding. That's where Mommy is. That's where Mommy is. Oh, David, darling, now look, come here. No... I hate you. But why do you hate me? Why don't you let me help you? Because... Because what? Because you... you like him. Him? Papa, you're going to marry him, aren't you? Yeah. Yes, you are. Safina says you are. You're going to marry him. Then he'll send us back to school. There'll be no one left to help Mama. Poor Mama will never be left out. Oh, I hate you, I hate you. David... What are you doing here? David, did you strike Miss Peabody? He's sick, Theodore. I'm sure he's very sick. Now go to your room at once. Oh, those dreadful children. I tell you, Amanda, they'll ruin whatever happiness we might have. Theodore, I love you very much. But I couldn't marry you. Not with that child's cry ringing in my head. We've got to help them. Give them that key. Let them go and look in the room where the pipes are. Then they'll see for themselves that there's no ghost. Key? Who told you about a key to that room? The children. The children? Amanda, I'm going to tell you something, something I've never told to a living soul. It, it may frighten you. Yes. Margaret was going mad when she died. Oh. No one knew it but me. It ran in her family. I discovered it long after we were married, after the children were born. Otherwise, I'd never have... And now you think the children? I'm afraid so. It was peopling of sound she had, just like them, a fear of the dead's returning. She used to play... What's that? Sounds like the organ. But the motor isn't on. The console was locked when I left. Someone's trying to play. No one but me can touch that instrument. It's forbidden in this house and the servants are out. Unless those children... Come upstairs, Amanda. Theodore. Why, there's no one here. No one at the keyboard. The organ's playing itself. That's impossible. The motor's not going. The motor? Yes, it sets the bellows going. There's no air in the pipes unless it's on. No air to make the pipes speak. It's impossible, I tell you. Perhaps the children found the key and got in. Key? No, no, no. The key's here in my pocket. There's no other way in. No. Theodore, open that door. Go in there and see what's happening, please. No. Theodore. I won't give in. I I won't be a prey to it. Do you hear? I, I won't. I, I won't. I won't. Stop now. Yes. It was probably really nothing but the wind. Theodore, give me the key. I'm not afraid. Are you saying that I am? I don't know. But I'll be fair with you, Theodore. 
I couldn't marry you and live here with that any more than your children can. What do you mean? Rip out those pipes. Rip out the whole pipe organ. Give it to a church, but don't keep it here. Get rid of it's the pipe worth... organ? Yes. But I couldn't. The whole house was built around it. It's been the very soul and spirit of this home. It's been the curse, you mean. Theodore, I know I'd go mad, too, if I had to listen to it night and day. It's so hollow. Think of those pipes so huge down there in the darkness. I'd begin to hear things, too. Oh, Theod! Be quiet. Be quiet. Come outside. We'll take a walk. No. No, give me the key. Give me the key. You're hysterical, Amanda. I'm sorry I've overburdened you. Why don't you want to go in there? Is it because you know something? You did something? What do you mean? Did you kill her? Amanda. <laughs> Very well, Amanda. Here's the key. If that's the way you trust me, we'll go down and look around together. Come now, Amanda. I'm sorry, Theodore. It slipped out. It was a dreadful thing to say. It's all right, I understand. Yet it hurts a little. I've trusted you so completely, Amanda. Theodore. Yes, Amanda. Let's not go in there. I do trust you, darling. I, I believe everything you've told me. No. This little key... To think it should mean so much. Oh, how black it is. Yes, pitch black. And cold. Where are the pipes? I can't see them. Come in further, Amanda. You'll see them as soon as your eyes grow accustomed to the darkness. The biggest pipes pack this well under the great staircase like giants. Oh, yes, I, I'm beginning to see them now. Shouldn't we go and get a candle? Oh, no, no. Go in a little further. Be careful. The floor is a maze of wires. Now stand there for a second. Theodore, don't leave me. I won't be long. I thought you said you weren't afraid. No, I'm not only... Where are you going? Just upstairs to play for you. Theodore! I'd like you to hear how the music sounds in the darkness. It's quite an experience being so close to the pipes... You know, narrow, suffocating, especially when I pay the great Passacaglia and fugue of Bach. Oh, Theodore, please. I don't want to stay Perhaps here. Perhaps one of the Rheinberger symphonies or the great chorales of Cesar Frank. <laughs> Margaret, of course, preferred Narcissus. Margaret? Now, you're very gullible, Amanda. Then you did kill her. You killed her in this room. And you're going to kill me. Yes, simple, isn't it? But why? I don't why? know. One gets tired every now and then of mere music. Sometimes the classics demand competition. A scream, for example. There's something so exciting about pulling out all the stops and drowning out all human sound. Have you ever tried to match your voice, Miss Peabody, against the thunderous voice of Bach? It's most effective. And then when the struggle gets weaker, when the air is almost gone and you choke and gasp for breath... To bring the music down, softer, softer. Theodore, you're mad, you're mad. Come, Amanda, would you deny me that pleasure? No, I help. promise you the concert will be too long. It takes about eight hours before the air gives out. But you know, I could play for days. And don't worry about the children. I think you've convinced them about the ghost. What's that? Theodore. Someone shut the door. It's locked and the key's outside. Who's there? Let me out. Let me out. Theodore. Get away from me. Let me out to you here. Let me out. Let me out. I can't breathe. I'm suffocating. It's so dark. I can't breathe. Let me out. Please. Please. I can't breathe. I can't. No. No, no. I can't. I can't. Let, let me out. I can't breathe. <laughs> Theodore. 
Let me out! Let me out! He's dead! He's dead! Daphne, David, where are you? Open the door! Help me! Help me! May 1st, 1900. I shall be coming home in a few days, Bessie. I still can't sleep at night. I still hear that laughter. Still hear that cornet playing its unearthly music. And Theodore Evans once more lies dead at my feet. It was his heart, Bessie. He died of fright. In those few moments, he anticipated the hideous fate he had meted out to so many. And I might have died there if he had not gone so quickly. But the children hated me. They wanted to kill us both. Those terrible, pathetic children. What horrors they must have sensed in that charnel house. There were other women beside his wife. The police found them all buried and stuffed away into unused parts of the pipe organ. Bessie, I was in that pipe room alone with him for four hours before that door creaked open. There they stood, and I shall never forget their faces or the things they said. All right, Miss Peabody. You can come out now if you're really sorry. I'm sorry. Are you sure he's quite dead? Yes, he's dead. We were right all the time, weren't we, Miss Peabody? Yes, you were right. Now, will you come and help us find Mama? And so closes Fugue in C Minor, starring Miss Ida Lupino and Vincent Price. Tonight's tale of... Suspense! Suspense is produced and directed by William Spear. Of all the rich treasures man gets from the earth and mother nature, none has been more highly esteemed than wine. Good, delicious wine. And if you are one who does not yet know how much and how delightfully Roma wines add to your meals... Well, let me urge you not to miss out any longer on such a treat as this. There's nothing complicated about it. Just get and serve Roma wine with any meal or any time in any kind of glass you wish. Serve it chilled. Try the many different kinds of Roma wine until you find those you like best of all. Try Roma California Sherry with its wonderful nut-like flavor as an appetizer or ruby red Roma Burgundy or the deliciously delicate-flavored Roma Sauternes. These superb wines cost you only pennies a glassful. And yet, they make even the simplest meal taste like a million dollars. Get some today. And if your dealer is temporarily out of Roma, please try again soon. You owe it to yourself to have and regularly enjoy R-O-M-A, Roma Wines, America's largest selling wines. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is Ida Lupino. Mr. Spear has just been telling me a little about next week's suspense show. The star will be Thomas Mitchell in a story about a man who had headaches, tried everything to cure them, finally went to a psychiatrist, 
and found out that he was a murderer. Well, that certainly sounds like a broadcast we listeners won't want to miss. One more word. Don't forget to buy that war bond this week. Next Thursday, same time, you will hear Thomas Mitchell and Donald Crisp in... Suspense! Presented by Roma Wines. R-O-M-A. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And that's Suspense with Fugue in C Minor, starring Vincent Price and Ida Lupino from June 1st, 1944. Heard in the cast, B. Benaderet and Joseph Kearns, sponsored by Roma Wines, as heard on CBS. All of the classic radio shows we present on this series are direct from the master recordings. I have more than 100,000 original radio episodes under license from the owners and estates, and we make them available via digital download or on CD through our Classic Radio Club. By joining the Classic Radio Club, you'll receive 10 superior-sounding classic radio shows sent directly to you each month, along with detailed liner notes and photos of the stars. You'll receive your first 10 classic radio episodes for only $1, and you can cancel at any time. To learn more about the Classic Radio Club, log on to ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. I'll have another mystery episode of Suspense for you. This one stars Henry Fonda after this short break. Welcome back to the Classic Radio Theater. I'm your host, Carl Amari. This time, Henry Fonda stars as a simple man who becomes a killer as a storm builds inside and outside. Here's Summer Storm on Suspense. Now, the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California presents... Suspense. Tonight, Roma Wines bring you Summer Storm, starring Mr. Henry Fonda, produced for Roma Wines by Charles Vander. Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills, presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Those excellent California wines that can add so much pleasantness to the way you live, to your happiness and entertaining guests, to your enjoyment of everyday meals. Yes, right now a glass full would be very pleasant, as Roma Wines bring you Mr. Henry Fonda in a remarkable tale of... Suspense! It's exciting when there's a storm and strange things can happen. Some people are sensitive to changes in the weather, like me. There's nothing odd about that. It's like people who talk to themselves. I talk to myself a lot. I think about things and I talk to myself about them. There's nothing odd about that. Come on, Eddie, get the suitcase packed and let's get out of here. Like that, I talk to myself. You know, just making up my mind because there's no one else around to talk to me. Just getting myself on the move again. Because the landlady wasn't taking care of the room. 
She was away on a visit, and her husband, Mr. Waters, was slopping around in a bathrobe trying to run the place. Come on, Eddie. He never makes the bed. You've used the same towel for a week. It's time to get out. Lock up the suitcase and get going. Uh-oh. There's Waters. Guess you can't sneak out without his seeing you. Ah, there's a mean man, Eddie. You can tell by his little eyes. All fat men aren't good-natured. Look at him, stuffing himself with pig's knuckles or whatever they are. Well, come on. Hello, Eddie. Morning, Mr. Waters. Yeah. Pig's knuckles don't taste as good as they did an hour ago. Yeah. Guess I'll feed the rest of them to Graham's dog. Well, that'd be nice, Mr. Waters. Yeah. Taking your laundry out? No, sir. These are clothes. I'm leaving, sir. You what? Leaving. I'm sorry. What's the matter, Eddie? Don't you like the place? Yes, sir, but uh, I, I got to get closer to my work. Here's the keys before I forget them. Uh, better, better wait a while, Eddie. It looks like we're going to have a storm sometime today. Oh, I don't mind a storm, Mr. Waters. I'm funny that way. Yeah. Be a lot better if you'd wait till the wife gets back. Won't be more than a couple of hours. Oh, you mean she'd blame you for my leaving? Uh, might. Got a nasty tongue. Stick around till she gets back, Eddie. No, I gotta be going. Besides, I ain't feeling so hot. I'm feeling bad all morning. It's getting worse, Eddie. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Waters. Uh, it's my stomach. I'm sorry, Mr. Waters, honest, but I gotta go. Wait a minute. Ain't you forgetting something? Forgetting something? What are you trying to pull, anyhow? Well, I don't get it. You don't, huh? What about the rent? The rent? Last week's rent. What do you think I am, a sucker? Well, I paid my rent. Oh, you did, huh? Give me that suitcase. Well, I paid it to your wife before she went away. That's your story. Go ahead and leave if you want to, but this suitcase stays here until I get that rent. But you've already got it. You know I paid it to Mrs. Waters. You're trying to make me out a liar? No, but, but you were Got a here. receipt? She never gave me one. She said I didn't need it. Give me that suitcase. Don't you take a swing at me. You can't slap me around. No. Now, wait. Eddie. Eddie. My, my back. Stop pushing. Well, you asked for it. Eddie, let go. Oh, you don't like it when I fight back, huh? Eddie, you're killing me. Oh, I'm not, but maybe I should. Oh, help. Help. Somebody... Help! Yeah, you had enough. Help! Help! You better let him go. He looks bad, Eddie. Uh huh. Who, who are you talking to? Myself. Get oh. over there, you fat ass! <laughs> Pushed him too hard, I guess. Gee, he looks bad. He's out cold, Eddie. Mr. Waters? Mr. Waters, you all right? Somebody at the door. Better be quiet. Hey, Waters! That's Mr. Graham from next door. That clock's awful loud. Are you in there, Waters? Hey, hey, what's up, Graham? Come on up here, O'Farrell. Something fishy going on. Huh? What, what, what's going on? Come here to the door and listen. What? 
I don't hear nothing. Something fishy was going on in there. What do you mean? Waters was yelling his head off a minute ago. Now he won't answer the door. Hey! Hey, Waters, you all right? Don't hear him. Well, that's what I mean. I think we ought to go in and see what's the matter. You mean, you, you mean just walk in? Well, what do you think? Uh, They're coming in here, Eddie. I said, what do you You've got to get away. Well, Out the back door. No, no, no. They can see you from there. The attic, that's it. They don't know about that. What do you mean? What do you mean? Up the stairs, but don't make any noise. Better not let them find you, Eddie. Up there, you... Up there where you help Mrs. Waters store the blankets. Just step over Mr. Waters, Eddie. He looks bad. There. Now, quiet. Right up here is a place to hide from him. And if they start upstairs, I can crawl in the attic. Well, I'll try. Waters! Waters! Now I gotta listen. No answer, Graham. I gotta see what they do. But can't let them see me. Come on. I'm going in. There. I, I, I guess we'd better see what's wrong. Go ahead, try the door. No, it ain't locked. Come on in. Do you think, you think we are? Sure. I'll bet a pretty something's wrong in here. Come on. I don't like it. I'm getting out. And leave me alone? Nothing doing. Well, this ain't none of my business, Graham. Why, well, I'd feel like a fool if Waters came strolling down those stairs. Well, he's not gonna... Look! Look under the table! Good Lord! Waters! Say, say, listen. Let's get the table away. Don't stand no, there. No, I, I, I don't like this, Graham. Let's get the table away, I tell you. Maybe he's hurt bad. All right. Come on, grab the table. Oh, there, there. Waters? Waters, you all right? We, we, we'd better call a doctor. Yeah, there's the phone over there. Oh, yes. Hey, wait! Hmm? We don't need no doctor. Hmm? We need the police. The, 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 the p -p police? Yeah. The guy's dead. For suspense, Roma Wines are bringing you a star, Mr. Henry Fonda, in Summer Storm by Louis Este. Roma Wines' presentation tonight in radio's outstanding theater of thrills... Suspense. Between the acts of suspense, this is Truman Bradley for Roma Wines. To mark the return of good living, this week has been designated National Wine Week. Good living is simply a lot of little things that are part of the American way of life, says famed hostess Elsa Maxwell... Little things like greeting guests with a friendly welcome of a glass of port. A simple meal made flavorful with a glass full of burgundy or sauterne. I often serve Roma California port at the end of a meal and later in the evening with fruit and nuts. Because rich, fruity Roma port served cool is a choice wine both men and women enjoy. Simple, but adds so much to the enjoyment of the evening. Red, red Roma Port is a proud wine in a family of great wines with fruity fragrance and deliciously sweet nectar-like taste. Like all Roma wines, always unvaryingly good. Remember, because of uniformly fine quality at reasonable cost, more Americans enjoy Roma than any other wine. Always ask for Roma. R-O-M-A. Roma Wines. Now featured at new low prices. 
And now, Roma Wines bring back to our Hollywood soundstage Henry Fonda as Eddie in Summer Storm, a play well calculated to keep you in suspense. Dead. Waters was dead. The words made me weak, sick all over. I hadn't hit him hard. I I just grabbed him around the neck and pushed him back when the fight went out of him. I remember the table, though. When he fell against it, it tipped up and must have smashed the back of his head. That was it. That had killed him. And now they'd start looking for me, and when they found me, they'd hang me. They'll say you killed him, Eddie. And you'll hang for it. They're calling the police now. When they find you here, they'll say you killed him, whether you meant to or not. And they'll be right, Eddie. You did. But maybe you can get away. Listen. Be quiet. See what's going on down there. No sound but the clock. Wonder where they are. You can tell the police about this when they get here, Graham. Stick around. You're a witness, too. No, no, sir. I'm going back home. I don't want to get mixed up in this thing. What's the matter? Are you yellow? No, no, I ain't yellow. I told you before, this was none of my business, and I'm getting out. All right, right go on. Get out. I'll wait here until the police come. Maybe now's your chance, Eddie. He's all alone. Sneak downstairs before the police come. Get out of this house and get away, far away. But watch out for the stairs. They squeak. Who's there? I thought I heard something. Jumpy, I guess. He's right below you, Eddie. But he can't see you. Take it easy. Now is your chance. That heavy chest. Drop it on him. Of course, you don't want to kill him, but... But if you do, you can get away from here. Just... Just lift it over the rail and drop it. You killed one man, or they'll say you did. They can only hang you once. Lift it slowly, Eddie. Slowly. You missed your chance. You let the clock scare you. He's gone. The police, they're here. For the first time, panic overtook me. I set down the chest and stepped back into the shadows. Beside me was the door to the hall closet, and I remembered that in there was the trap door which led to the attic. I slipped in. I got a foot on a wall hook and scrambled up over the clothes that were hanging there. I pushed back the little trap door, lifted myself through the hole, and, and listened for a minute. I could hear the muffled voices, but, but I couldn't hear what they were saying. They must be down there with Mr. Waters. 
Somebody's coming up the stairs. He's coming down the hall. The attic was long and low. He wouldn't think of anyone being up in there. Or would he? It was dark except for the light from a small ventilator. I moved back into the shadows. I crouched low because the space was too small to stand up in. Suddenly, my hand brushed against a short piece of pipe. It had been left there for a long time and the dust was thick on it. But it was a weapon. It made me feel safer. I moved quietly over to the trap door and waited. Get ready for him, Eddie. If he opens the trap door, you'll have to hit him. They can only hang you once. Anybody up there, officer? No, nobody here. That's all I remembered for a while. I must have passed out for hours. When I woke up, the attic was black and heavy with heat. Still, there was no storm, only a vague threat and distant thunder. And inside of me, there was a threat too, the beginning of the storm. My head ached and my mouth was dry. I knew there was cold water in the icebox and I wanted it. The storm was coming closer inside of me, and I had to be moving. I slid the cover back and listened. The house was quiet with only the ticking of the big hall clock. So I dropped through the hole and started down the stairs. Don't let that clock scare you, Eddie. There's no one here now. Maybe you can get out now, Eddie. There's your suitcase in the hall. Don't forget that. Someone's at the door. Hello, Mrs. Waters. The wife wants oh, to... Oh, it's you, Mr. O'Farrell. Mm. I'm glad someone came over, even you. I've been alone for hours. Ever since the cops got me back from my sisters. Yes, well, the wife says... That... Oh, gosh. I can't tell you how bad I feel about this. Come in, Mr. O'Farrell. He was a swell man, Mrs. Waters. Uh, your husband, I mean. Yes, yes, he was. Yes, really, really swell. But they didn't come any better... Well, anyway, the wife's seen you from the window, and she says... Won't you come in, Mr. O'Farrell? In? In there? I mean... Just for a minute. Well, all right. J just for a minute. They won't find you, Eddie. Not if you stay quiet and keep back here in the shadows. I, I, I can't stay long, you know. And anyway, the wife wants to know if there's anything we can do. I, I mean, if you're scared to be alone or anything. No, no, there's nothing. Just finished up my dinner and I'll go to bed very shortly and I'm not frightened. Oh, gosh. It was awful, simply awful, the way he was lying there and breathing so heavy. Uh, I was standing right there looking at him and it was the way he was breathing that got me sort of a, a, a gasping. You know what I mean? Yes, yes, I know, Mr. O'Farrell, but he's gone now and there isn't any good uh, in... Listen, listen. In... Did you hear something? Listen. Hear something? Where? It sounded like somebody breathing. I don't hear anything. Good Lord, it sounded just like him. What on earth are you talking about? 
Your nerves are all on edge, Mr. O'Farrell. No, I... Look, look, I gotta be getting back. If you're sure there ain't nothing you need now... No, no, I'm, I'm quite all right. Well, if there's anything you want, you just call I'm us. going right to bed. I, I don't feel well. I shouldn't wonder, I shouldn't wonder. Well, I'll tell my Never wife... Never mind, I'll be all right. Good night, Mr. O'Farrell, and don't worry about me. Yes, well, uh, good night. I gotta get back. At the wife, you know. Good night. <laughs> I gave her an hour to get to bed and to sleep. I stayed right there, counting the seconds and listening to the ticking of the big clock in the hall. My muscles were stiff. My throat was dry and sore from swallowing. I hardly dared breathe. Finally, I slipped out, picked up my suitcase, started to tiptoe out. The back door would be the best, I thought. I went slowly in the dark thinking that I could see the spot in the kitchen where Mr. Waters' body had been after the fight. But the back door was in blackness. I tried the knob softly. The door wouldn't open. It was locked. Not with a night latch, but with the old-fashioned iron locks that were on all the doors in the house. There was no way out without the key. I started for a window... That was no good either. The screens were heavy and were nailed firmly in place. I'd help nail them myself. I knew that cutting them would make too much noise. There was no way out except for the key. And that must be in Mrs. Waters' room. Back down the hall, I went to the downstairs bedroom. The door was unlocked. And I opened it. And listened. She's asleep, Eddie. Listen. These must be on the dresser, Eddie. Right over there. The storm was getting close outside, and I felt all stormy inside. I had to get the keys, get out of this house. It wasn't too dark to see Mrs. Waters in bed. She was breathing heavily. I brushed past the bed, and my knee touched a chair. I went on until I felt something waist-high. The dresser. I moved my hand slowly over the top. First some clothing. And I felt around for the keys. They weren't there. I felt more slowly. A hairbrush. A comb. Then a pile of hairpins. Where was the key? I held my breath until Mrs. Waters started breathing regularly again. I was shaking now and scared, and the storm was building up inside. I reached into a drawer. I tried not to make any noise, but there was some. I reached inside. There was something steely and cold. The key? No. No scissors. Long ones. Sharp and pointed. The phone was frightening. I wanted to run, to get out of the room, but I couldn't remember where the door was. I held the scissors like a weapon, a knife, and flattened myself against the wall. Oh, no, dear, the the phone. phone. Eddie, Eddie hides somewhere. Oh, the phone at this hour. I stepped back into the closet and pulled some clothes in front of me just before she snapped on the light over the bed. I'm coming, I'm coming. I talk no. softly to myself like I always do when I'm alone and scared. You've got the scissors, Eddie. If she comes in here, you'll have to use them. 
They must know you killed Mr. Waters. It wouldn't be right to kill her, too, but... But what if she finds you, Eddie? You're no killer, Eddie. But you can't be caught. You can't. All right. If she opens the door, do it. Do it quickly, Eddie, and then run. Where's that dang bathrobe? All right, all right. She didn't find you, Eddie. You didn't have to kill her. She just took her robe off the hook. Hello? Yes? You didn't have to kill her, did you? Hello, Mrs. Harris. Not yet. What's that? But now's your chance, Eddie. Well, that's real nice. Her handbag's on the bed. Oh, I wouldn't think. Let's see. Well, all right, then. Here they are. I'll stay up and let you... The keys, Eddie. What? Get the back door before she's through. Hurry. storm outside was like the storm inside me, violent and vicious, but it kept me moving. I slipped along beside the house, then I stepped over the hedge and ran along in the shadow of the house next door. I was getting away from all that. It was the Graham's dog, a snarling little cur, and he came to his side of the fence and watched me. Kill him, Eddie. Whether you want to or not, reach over the fence and strangle him. You have to stop him, Eddie. The whole neighborhood will be up in a minute. Get out of town, way out of town. I walked a long time in the rain while the storm inside me settled down the same steady rhythm as the raindrops. I hadn't eaten all day and I was weak and shaky. The water dripped from me and the bag slapped against my leg and my shoes made little splashing noises in the mud. I counted my footsteps. I counted to a thousand, and then started over. And then through the rain, I saw an all-night diner. I shook the rain from my hat and looked inside. There was just a man in an apron, no one else. I hesitated for a moment, but the smell of food and coffee came to me. And I opened the door and walked in. Oh, what a bean. A coffee. Coffee? Hey, bad. Boy, you're really wet. Yeah. Boy. Give me a sandwich, any kind of sandwich. Sure, coming up. Uh, look, kid, take off the coat and let me hang it up by the coffee boiler. Oh, I'm all right. Let me have the sugar. Sugar? Sure. Yeah. Cream? No. Beef sandwich, all right. It's all I got. Hello, Casey. What's cooking with the police department on a night like this? Oh, plenty, Mike. Give me a cup of coffee in the hurry, will you? A cop, Eddie. Don't run. Take it easy. Coffee coming up, Casey. Hey, kid, uh, beef sandwich okay? Sure. Oh, this raincoat's dripping all over your floor. I'll hang it up, Mike. Okay. It's really wet out there. Yeah. He's hanging up his gun, too, Eddie. Maybe you can get it if you have to. Well, how'd you get so wet, kid? I didn't see you before. Uh, I got caught in the storm. Oh, I see. Oh, thanks, Mike. Look, kid, maybe you better come along with me down to the station house. It was done. It was over. They'd caught me. I'd felt free up until now. I looked at where his gun was hanging by his raincoat. Now I'd have to try it. 
I'd have to kill again, I thought. I could get them both and get away, maybe. They could only hang me once. How about it, kid? I'll book you as a sleeper. By morning, you'll be dried out and on your way. Okay? You mean... You mean just sleep there? Why, sure. <laughs> there won't be any charge against you. <laughs> well, thanks. But I, I got to get along. Okay. Have it your own way. What I owe you, Mike? Just a dime. Yeah. Thanks. Oh, you been hitting the ball tonight? Oh, I'll see. I've been taking the doc around. Have to go back and pick him up. Oh, emergency case, huh? Yeah, doc called it uh, botulism. Uh, something like tomaine poisoning. Said it was from eating pig's feet. Old Lady Water's up on Elm Street. Ah, you gotta be awful careful of them things. <sighs> yeah, they'd wonder about him, but I guess she ate him anyhow. They were from the same batch that killed her husband earlier today. But she didn't know that was what happened to him, and she ate him too. Tomaine's bad stuff. Hit you just like that. Yeah, well, so long. So long, Casey. More coffee, kid? No, thanks. Did you hear that about Mr. and Mrs. Waters both dying from the same thing? Yeah. Pig's knuckles. Ah, you gotta be careful of that Tomaine stuff. Well, looks like the storm's over. Sure is. The moon's out. Just a summer storm and now it's all over. Yeah, it'll make it nice for you. You feel all right? Me? I feel swell. Roma Wines have brought you Henry Fonda, star of Summer Storm. Tonight's study in Suspense. This is Truman Bradley for Roma Wines, the sponsor of Suspense. Tomorrow is Friday. If you are one of those many people who invite friends into dinner on Friday night, here's a suggestion on how to make that meal really exciting. Dine by soft candlelight and serve Roma California Sauternes says famed hostess Elsa Maxwell. Pale golden Roma Sauternes adds not only glamour, but goodness to the meal. I serve chilled Roma Sauternes regularly with seafood and chicken. They are perfect flavor mates. Enjoy Roma Sauternes often. Like all Roma wines, Roma Sauternes is wine at its best, in uniform quality, reflecting the heritage of grapes, carefully selected at peak of flavor in California's choicest vineyards, gently but quickly pressed, then by a process as slow and as old as time, brought to liquid perfection under the patient guidance of Roma's ancient winemaking skill, then bottled at Roma's own famed wineries, now featured at new low prices by leading wine merchants everywhere. Henry Fonda appeared through the courtesy of 20th Century Fox, producers of The House on 92nd Street. Next Thursday, you will hear Lucille Ball in Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills. Presented by Roma Wines, R-O-M-A. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And that's Suspense with Summer Storm, starring Henry Fonda, from October 18, 1945. 
Also heard in the cast, Verna Felton, Elliot Lewis, Ken Christie, Lou Merrill, and Joseph Kearns, sponsored by Roma Wines, as heard on CBS. Stick around, I'll give you our lineup for episode 25 of the Classic Radio Theater after this short break. Next time on episode 25 of the Classic Radio Theater, brought to you in part by the Bradford Exchange, we'll hear two comedy episodes of the Abbott and Costello Show, so don't miss it. To reach me and to learn more about the Classic Radio Club, visit ClassicRadioClub.com. Be sure to tune in to our next show. Thanks for listening.